Hello, and welcome to Moving Markets by Julius Baer. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Hi, everyone. My name is Mike Rauber. I'm one of the investment writers at Julius Baer here in Zurich. On this show, we have Tim Geike from our currency desk in Geneva to give his take on the recently weaker US dollar. And given the continuing fallout from the collapse of the digital asset exchange FTX, Carson Menke, head of Next Generation, will provide his thoughts. But first, I will give you a brief market overview. Yesterday was Thanksgiving in the US, and so markets were closed. But today, US equities are open in the morning session only. But people across the US and in many places around the world will be shopping around the clock as it is Black Friday, the unofficial start of the holiday shopping season. Adobe Analytics expects sales this season to grow 2.5% this year, down sharply from last year's 8.6% growth. The Institute of International Finance is also warning of a growth slowdown. It expects global growth to slow to 1.2% next year, its lowest since the financial crisis in 2009. While it expects the US to grow by 1%, Europe is set to contract by 2%, as the conflict in Ukraine risks becoming a forever war. A relaxation of COVID restrictions next year should make China the biggest growth driver next year, the Institute forecasts. However, today in that country's capital, Beijing, supermarket delivery apps are reportedly being overwhelmed as the city's rising COVID caseload triggers again lockdown restrictions. But interestingly, China mainland shares are higher on monetary stimulus hopes, yet Hong Kong is a little lower. On to Japan, in its capital, Tokyo, inflation rose to a higher than expected 3.8% in the 12 months through November, a 40-year high. The Japanese yen saw modest gains after the release of the report and is currently well below 139 to the dollar. And taking a step back, we see that the US dollar is again on the weaker side this week after falling in five of the last six weeks. But thankfully, we have Tim Gaggi in a minute to fill us in on all the details. Oil is on to its third weekly loss in a row with Brent oil down to $85 a barrel. The European Union is weighing a higher than expected price cap on flows of Russian crude while growth slowdown concerns are weighing on-demand expectations. And Bloomberg is reporting today that Germany will claw back up to 90% of the earnings from electricity producers based on the fuel they use. Specifically, the government is planning to skim earnings above 130 euros a megawatt hour for solar, wind and nuclear. In terms of economic releases today, the German GFK Consumer Confidence Index came in at minus 40.2, still around its lowest level ever. And so Europe is expected to open around the zero line, while US equities are indicated just slightly higher for today's shortened session that will end at 1 p.m. local time. This is all on the market wrap. And now over to Tim Gege, head of FX and PM Solutions Geneva, with his take on currency markets. Hi, Tim. Good morning, Mike. Thank you very much. Well, it's been an interesting week all over, really. I must confess that despite some very strong reservations about the World Cup, like many of us, from a purely footballing perspective, it is hard to imagine a better combination of results 
as an England fan, than England winning while Argentina and Germany lose via upsets. Amusingly, as Japan completed their glorious comeback against Germany, Euro-Yen actually dropped about 100 pips, so never let it be said that sport and foreign exchange are not sometimes correlated. I think it was probably a coincidence, as it was, of course, around the time the dollar sold off after the PMIs, but still, it was quite entertaining. Anyway, even more interesting was the continued weakening of the dollar. We were watching 104 as the key level in Eurodollar, as that is roughly where the 200-day moving average comes in. And we had not traded above there significantly since June 2021, almost 18 months. Yesterday, it broke more cleanly, as we were able to close above it on the day. And a weekly close above this level would be optimistic to me. Not much in the way of real triggers, but I do think that the PMI data on Wednesday was very instructive, reinforcing as it does the idea that the US is slowing down more quickly, if you'll pardon a confusing phrase, than Europe and the UK. My view here is that the Fed are close to the end of their tightening cycle, closer than the market imagines, while other central banks like the European Central Bank and the Bank of England have a bit more to do, which is why I still personally think that there is much more room. Also, we talk about dollar weakness here, but let's not forget that euro dollar at 104 is only about 35 odd pips higher than what was at the time the shockingly low level back in 2016 around the time of Trump's election as president. Meanwhile, the dollar index is actually still quite a bit higher than it has been for the last 20 years, this year excluded. So there really is a massive amount of room for the dollar to weaken when you look at charts. If this really is a changing of trend, there could be a lot more to come. So I would not look back too harshly at the last 400 pips missed. Back trading is always tempting but never helpful but rather at what would happen if we have a move of two or three times that magnitude. These things come faster than we imagine. And for investors who are still very long dollars, it is still worth having a discussion about what to do with this exposure. With Thanksgiving yesterday, this is rather a short week for a lot of traders over the Atlantic. So activity might still be a bit muted, especially as there is no really important data to speak of today either. It is rather the same trade all over still. People are either buying, or selling dollars, at the moment mostly selling, and there is not huge activity in crosses. Gold and silver have done okay, but platinum is lagging, it's down around 985, and I would look at taking exposure yet again via a reverse convertible. With that, I wish you happy Friday, a super weekend, and back to you, Mike. Thank you very much, Tim. And now we're pleased to have Carsten Menke, Head of Next Generation, on the show, with an update on digital assets. Over to you, Carsten. Thank you very much, Mike, and good morning. Well, indeed, as you mentioned uh, in the introduction, um, the collapse of FTX continues to send shockwaves through the digital asset world. Since the beginning of this week, worries around Genesis, which is a crypto custody trading and lending company, have intensified. So Bloomberg reported that the company could become bankrupt as it struggled to find fresh funding in the aftermath of the FTX collapse, which already prompted it to suspend withdrawals from its platform. While Genesis is not a household name as FTX is or was, it is important to know that the company is a member of the Digital Currency Group, which is a conglomerate of crypto companies. The Digital Currency Group is affiliated with Grayscale, for example, the manager of one of the largest Bitcoin trusts with over 10 billion of assets under management. At the same time, the DCG is the trust's largest shareholder. The Grayscale Bitcoin Trust has increasingly fallen out of favor among institutional investors due to its setup. 
As a result, they have reduced their trust holdings, which in turn have been picked up by the DCG. It is precisely these kinds of affiliations between crypto companies which the market fears at this stage of the crisis, as they could cause more contagion and foster more forced selling. This makes it almost impossible to answer the question which company might fail next, not least as there has been a mushrooming of crypto projects and platforms during the past two to three years, thanks to lavish liquidity and a boom in venture capital investing. Almost all of these companies and platforms are privately held and thus lack any kind of reporting requirements, which could provide some sort of transparency. So, the confidence in cryptos is more shattered than ever, suggesting that the wounds of the current crisis will take more time, much more time to heal. The more companies fail, the more contagion there is, and the more confidence is destroyed, the less likely becomes any kind of short to medium term recovery in our view. The still existing long term potential of digital assets and their underlying blockchain technology has firmly moved out of focus. But there is something positive amid all the doom and gloom. So many blockchains, and in particular the primary ones such as Bitcoin and Ethereum, did not have any technical issues and worked as designed during the current crisis, while the number of active network addresses remained much more resilient than the sell-off would suggest. Back to you, Mike. Thank you very much, uh, Karsten, for these uh, very interesting thoughts. This also concludes today's show. I hope you will join us on Monday again, when our technical analysts will provide their key focus areas for the week to come. Goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Wealth Insights is a podcast series where Julius Bear experts discuss topics from a wealth management perspective, whether it's starting a business preparing for retirement or transferring wealth to the next generation, our experts provide answers to the relevant questions. Available now on all good platforms, search for Wealth Insights on your favourite podcast player.